Alright everyone, welcome back to another edition of Your Adrenal Fix. My name is Dr. Rosen and I call myself the Adrenal Fatigue Re Recovery Ninja. And today I have the uh, special honor uh, of having my guest here, Nicholas Pinot. Um, he is a health journalist who has published more than 1,500 online articles through a daily newspaper called Nick and Jen's Healthy Life. In 2017, he authored The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMF which is an unconventional book endorsed by top health authorities like Dr. McCullough and which combines the common sense and a humor um, to tackle the various serious topic of uh, electric magnetic pollution and its effects on human health. So welcome today, Nicholas. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you, so what, what made you do, go into this area? I mean, I'm very aware of EMFs and, and the impact on the health. So, but tell me a little bit about you and who you are and, and why you got into this. Sure. Well, I've been, uh, we, we, we've talked before, uh, before hitting the record button here. I've been into uh, uh, trying to, to put my ideas online since 2010, really, uh, as a health journalist, as a health conscious guy uh, with a background in communications and copywriting. I used to be just researching uh, mainly about nutrition at the, the beginning of my background, just discovering uh, true documentaries. I I, um, I recall uh, watching Food Matters uh, in I think it was 2010 or 2012, and it totally shocked me because I hadn't realized that processed foods were so bad for you, and that uh, you had to choose food quality. I just knew quantity, and I was trying to do some bodybuilding, so it was all about eating more and more calories. You know, that was back in uh, 2012, and I didn't feel good about what I was doing. I, I felt horrible. My digestion was horrible, so I was like, well, maybe something isn't working quite right. So I started digging even more into health, looking into guys like uh, Dr. Axe, Mercola, and new authorities that were publishing online information, and at one point, I realized maybe I could do the same. I could publish my findings online, build an audience and maybe make a living out of it. Who knows? I ended up uh, publishing a series of ebooks that was 2013 about uh, our food supply, the truth about fabricating foods. It became uh, a kind of internet bestseller. I think we sold something like 75,000 copies. That's, that's, that's fairly high for, for ebooks. Uh, and then uh, off of that, me and my business partner and wife, Jen, we built this newsletter that's a daily newsletter called Nick and Jen's Healthy Life. So I've been writing about health since then, uh, publishing almost 2,000 articles every single day, basically, for the last five years. And uh, last year, or maybe a year and a half ago, I started reading these, these books about the dangers of cell phones. And I, I always looked at my cell phone with a kind of... Uh, a little bit scared, a little bit prudent, because I, I, I thought in the back of my mind, well, I, I've heard some reports about brain cancer, and some people say it's not an issue, but still, what if there's a chance that maybe this isn't good for us, and everyone's using it so much, and uh, back in just 2013, it wasn't around that much. Now 2017, is it's everywhere, like the smartphones and people especially having enough like a data plan to be scrolling 24-7 on Instagram and downloading HD videos. So it's even the, the way we use it has completely changed in a couple of years now that the phone plans are not 100 bucks anymore. They're way cheaper than that. So people kind of are always on, right? And the signals, these electromagnetic fields, the signals, the wireless signals that, that, that make it so you can download data from the cellular antenna a couple of kilometers away, uh, they... They are there. They're invisible, but they're still there. So my question as a health 
journalist was, okay, is that doing something to us? So I read a couple of books. Deborah Davis is a great author on the, on the topic. Martin Blank, who's a PhD, published Overpowered in 2015. And I read these books and they seemed to me very credible. On the other hand, I could find people that are PhD researchers, doctors, engineers that were writing rebuttal articles uh, saying that, no, it's nonsense. These, these books are uh, kind of overstating the issue, maybe doing a a bit of, of uh, fear mongering and and it's not scientific and whatnot and and I felt well it's probably the truth is somewhere in the middle probably and uh, it turns out that the more I dug into it and the more research that comes out every month now the more it goes in the direction that these EMFs are doing something to us and not only something is doing something serious because we're always bathing in a high EMF environment and it turns out that uh, these these kind of signals, especially this frequency, like in nature, uh, we have natural EMFs. For example, uh, UV radiation, right? It's, it's one type that I like talking about because we don't see it, but we know it can burn your skin if you overdo it. On, on the other hand, if you have just a little bit, just the right dose, you have this vitamin D. So it can be beneficial, but it can also technically almost burn you or kill you, right? So that's UV radiation for you. And yet it's invisible, but it's there and it's real. The same thing for cell phone radiation. It's not there, but doesn't mean it's not doing something to your biology. The problem with the cell phone signals is that there's nothing in nature that looks like this signal to your biology. It's just another frequency. The frequency is so high that it's brand new. And the, the levels, for example, of... Uh, something they call in Europe electrosmog, which is just the electromagnetic pollution in the city are so high that it's a quadrillion times higher than back in nature. Like these signals are not like a little bit more, they're, they're orders of magnitudes more than what our biology is used to receiving. Uh, so my findings are basically to, to, to sum it up is that EMFs are a stressor to your health and something to consider just like diet and movement and sun exposure and let's say mold toxins. It's something that can uh, almost make or break your health if you're overexposed and if you're um, especially sensitive. So that's my finding uh, to sum it up. Yeah, I know it's a wonderful rabbit hole that you sort of have gone through and it sort of opens your eyes. It's almost, it leads to the the more information you know, almost the more you don't want to know. Is that, did you find that? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I, I took 650 pages of notes uh, while gathering everything I could get my hands on on EMFs. And, and to be perfectly honest, it was uh, a process just as... Uh, I felt like the, the mental pleasure of writing a book is incredible because you're like, okay, I'm making things simpler, but it, it is also mental torture. I felt overwhelmed. I felt uh, uh, almost like a, a kind of doomsday repressive, like the walls are closing on me kind of feeling because I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is actually very serious. And I... I felt just the pain of people that don't understand that these devices can can do something to them. Uh, it was super hard to write a book, and and I did feel like there's no hope and whatnot. At one point, though, I focused on solutions, and that's what I put in the book. It's like, okay, fine, maybe EMFs are the next smoking. Uh, who knows? It's, we're gonna know that in 30 years. But what do you do now? Now that there's uncertainty in 2017, to end up in 2000. 
47 still healthy, which will be difficult with everything else that's going on in our society. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, Nicholas, because I feel the same way. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed by the, the, the availability of information and the implications it has on our health. But I really do believe that, you know, my, my model has always been little hinges swing big doors, you know, so it doesn't behoove us to put our head in the dirt and ignore um, the reality of the environment in our body. And that's one of the big things that I talk about with the adrenals and why I was so excited to talk to you. And we'll get into that. And you mentioned in, in what you were saying is it's another stressor um, yep. in terms of the body has to process it um, and it's not used to it. And it's at such more magnitude than, than you know, it's ever had in, in any point in time. And I also look at it as, as bad as potentially things can be. Um, you do have to get into solution mode and you have to get into, okay, well, what do we do about it? So I say sometimes it's sure. the worst of times and it's the best of times because even though we have much more chemicals and environmental smog and EMFs and toxic exposures, we also have a lot more information too. So we'll talk about that. But why don't we talk a little bit about, um, you know, what I really like in your book is how you get into the science, but you also keep it a, a lighthearted um, way where we don't try to overwhelm people and scare them. Um, but you also point out the, the, the facts. So, let, you know, let's maybe talk about what you, you mentioned in terms of black swan um, theories and some of the some of the things that you talk about with how um, studies can be biased and and what the reality is out there yeah well the argument when it comes to EMFs is is always well it's inconclusive right and this is this is the same thing that happened with tobacco uh, for around almost 70 years in reality it wasn't clear if tobacco smoke was linked to cancer directly if there was a reason to say we should put a warning on 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 cigarettes and not necessarily ban them because let's face it i see still see people every single day smoking but they know the risk or technically they know the risk because it's all over the place it's recognized and then there's also a second factor where if you're a smoker you, you don't smoke inside next to a toddler or next to even another adult nowadays in, in public places because you are causing them to have this 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 illness this smoking related uh, cancer risk um, so when it comes to when it comes to the studies around EMFs, uh, right now there are literally thousands of different studies that show that EMFs, uh, even at very low levels, can have biological effects. Now, what is not clear is to what extent. So can we say it, it decreases your health by 33% at this level, and then by 20%? We don't we don't have these these figures, so it's very hard to say. Okay, your illness or your fatigue, for example, is due to EMFs 100%. I cannot say that because it, it's so multifactorial, the, the environment you live in. Uh, what is safe to say right now is that these signals are increasing and that symptoms that are seen in a clinical setting with doctors specialized in treating pe people who seem to be very sensitive to EMFs, they're seeing amazing results removing EMFs from the environment and people get better. So going back to an environment that is low EMF, that it, it is simply the way we're meant to be. Uh, in the 50s, there were no cell phone signals around. It wasn't even an idea having cell phones. They would look at that as, as if it's straight from Star Trek, right? It's, 
it's incredible. It's an incredible technology, but these signals are just foreign to the human body. Uh, when when you talked about Black Swan, it is a it is a, a very um, incredible video that I saw from um, from a researcher called Magda Havis from the Trent University in Toronto in your neck of the woods. And basically, she gave the the example um, of um, I, I don't want to get in, into too too much detail, but basically, she said that uh, it's not it's not saying that there's no conclusive evidence is 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 basically yes it might be true but it's more like how you act in front of the inconclusive evidence and it if if there's even one study that says that maybe EMS are harmful to the human biology it is nonsense to increase the signals further before we have dug into the, the this study and say, well, is it a fluke? Uh, was the, the, the study design um, maybe poor? Or is that a financial interest from, I don't know, someone selling a cell phone case or something crazy like that? Financial interest? But it's not one study, Joel. It's thousands of studies. So all these studies individually prove that someone who say these signals do nothing to the human body is wrong. It's simply not scientific in this approach. And when I actually dug into it, I found certain links in the published uh, medical uh, literature, scientific literature that is so strong that it got me in shock, literally. For example, the link between having one of these devices, a smartphone in your front pocket and the sperm damage that can occur. So there's, in the last uh, 10 years alone, I could find uh, nine or 10 different meta-analyses. So these large studies that look at a bunch of other studies to know, okay, out of 20 or 90 studies, what is the conclusion? And each one of them that, uh, that summed up 201 studies in the last 10 years alone said, EMF, cell phone signals, and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, these signals will reduce fertility in men. So I'm like, as a health journalist, I'm like, well, this is information that needs to be front page of uh, Toronto Star and then the Montreal Gazette and then uh, CNN. Like, people need to know, do not put this device in your pocket. It's not a safe place to put it. Put it uh, right in front of you on your desk and maybe you're okay. But men still put it in their front pocket all day, every day. I see that on the street every time because they're not aware of it. So this, this is this is the problem around the this uh, this skepticism that that I see from certain scientists or even medical doctors that are like, well, Nick, this is this is tinfoil. This is a non-issue. And I'm like, well, what about the 201 studies about sperm count? And they're like, what? <laughs> they, they haven't heard about all the published literature. And when they read my book, and I want to sound like, like I'm self-promoting, either my book or Deborah Davis or Martin Blank or even Bioinitiative Report, there's a lot of great stuff out there that was published that is very credible. They go, oh my God, this is actually such a big issue. Well, it is. <laughs> it is. And this is why this is like the... the the, the fact that people can interpret the same science in different ways is why there's such a debate. And also, let's face it, let's talk about the politics for a second. If I'm an industry uh, like the telecom industry and people who manufacture cell phones and people who manufacture circuit boards for cell phones, you do have a strong financial incentive to have studies 
tell you that cell phones are safe. It's just the bias that is there. It, and it's a fact that when they look at the evidence, uh, evidence that is um, very unsurprisingly financed by the telecom industry is biased towards cell phones are safe. And the independent studies are biased towards it, or I don't know if they're biased, but they, they come up with a conclusion that it's probably not safe or that there is an effect. So again, it's just follow the money trail. It's not like everyone involved in an industry is uh, biased and is evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that generally when you pay millions to have a study, you kind of want it to prove that your products are totally fine. Uh, and we end up in a society where not only are the products not fine, but the regulations are so ridiculous <laughs> around even cell phone safety uh, testing that, that have literally nothing to do with how uh, we use them, that we end up with a product that everyone thinks is completely safe, but I, I think it's completely not, not. It's not proven to be safe, like 0%, basically. No, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I got to give, give you a compliment on how you wrote the book because it's not, it's, it, it is a politically charged topic. And you really sort of tread the line very nicely with some humor, but some reality. So I wanted to compliment you on that. But Thank you. It, there's nothing new about that, Nicholas, especially within my area with health research um, and with um, pharmaceutical industry. And that's even more of a, a politically charged area, which I try to stay away from. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I also like like you, I just want to be an advocate, A, for the truth and B, for people's health. So that they can, we're not talking about, hey, listen, you're never going to use a cell phone anymore, but why don't we just try to understand the risks and, you know, the solutions that we're not talking about like living in a bubble and, and wearing a hazmat suit every day. We're just talking about doing sensible things um, to reduce your exposure and your risk. So those are the things I want to talk about towards the end. Um, but, you know, as it relates to my audience, my audience, as we talked about before we started the cameras as well, is I say it really goes further than adrenal fatigue. Um, you know, Hans Selye was the original pioneer on the, um, the alarm phase, um, you know, and then we have the sort of the resistance phase and then we have the exhaustion phase. And I think that was a good um, model in, you know, for when the time it came out. But now it really comes down to what I told you something earlier is called cell danger response, which basically means when the cells are overwhelmed with information. And we can call that information stress, whether that stress is um, from an infection, whether that stress is from uh, a chemical, whether that stress is from um, not enough food, too much food, not enough oxygen, too much off oxygen. It's really a symphony that has to orchestrate all of the behind scenes, um, you know, basics that we need in terms of blood pressure, heart rate, um, fluid balance. Uh, blood sugar levels, um, you know, reducing inflammation, and there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but when that stress gets to the point where um, it's overwhelming the cell and it can't keep an equal relationship between supply and demand, something has to give. And what ultimately gives is the body prioritizes and it starts to shut down less important mechanisms or less important systems. So we see sometimes thyroid health goes down, hormonal balance goes down, reproductive balance goes down because that's not the priority at the moment. So um, I'd really like to 
talk about some of these things that you found um, specifically as it relates to the mitochondria, but you know, we're really scared in terms of, well, we'll ask that question next, but tell me, you know, some of the things that you found um, with your research on, you know, the physiological impact of the constant bombardment of EMFs and, and how that impacts the person, not just at the adrenal level, but sort of the cellular level. So why don't you speak a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the number one researcher you, you, you people can look into is called Martin Powell, P-A-L-L. And Martin Powell, as he's a, he's a retired, I think I think it's it's just a term that says he's working more than ever now, and and now he's independent from his university. But anyway, the guy has has, has looked into the mechanism uh, because it, it it's been something the skeptics have used over and over, and even the industry saying, well, there's no plausible mechanism that could explain how this low level signal that let's face it is so low in the spectrum compared to X-rays, compared to nuclear radiation that we know are problems. We know they break DNA, these signals, these, these EMFs uh, are dangerous and this is why we only use them in certain situations in medical settings, right? X-rays are like, are a big deal. You need to have a good reason to have an X-ray or or else the benefit doesn't outweigh the, the risks. And well, the mechanism is is kind of simple and is the something called the voltage-gated calcium channel, VGCCs. And basically, if you picture a cell, you have a bunch of different channels going uh, where the, the, the calcium transport goes in and out. And basically, you have little doors. These are voltage-gated calcium channels. And just as uh, the, the, the name entices, you have little sensors in there that respond to voltage, very, very low-level electricity. Uh, so low, in fact, that um, Martin Powell thinks that uh, the safety levels of uh, EMS, our regulations right now, are probably seven million times too low. But that's a that's another rabbit hole we can get into later. But basically, the idea is that when cells are exposed to external signals, such as a cell phone signal, for example, uh, these little doors stay stuck open, and then calcium, uh, intracellular calcium, just increases and increases and increases, and this creates a, a series of downstream effect in the cell. So it's an indirect effect and not a direct effect like in the case of X-rays and uh, nuclear radiation that are ionizing, that will literally break bonds, molecular bonds in the, in the cell. Boom, boom, everything explodes. It's not like that. It's not a direct impact. It's a very indirect impact, but just a couple of minutes of exposure to a cell phone and then the VGCCs can stay open for a couple hours. So you get a, a, a massive uh, influx of calcium in the cell and then it will create a downstream effect where you have too much um, you have too much uh, peroxynitride that will form, and this is one of the most dangerous oxidants to the mitochondria, one of the most powerful mitochondrial poison that there is. So this downstream effect is basically what explains that the cell is so affected, and, and depending on where you hold your phone, cells right next to it will be more affected than, let's say, if I have my phone next to my head, my big toe will not be that affected because I have so much distance. But if you put it, this explains also why, um, for example, people who put their phone in their shirt pocket all day have reported that sometimes they go see their docs, their cardiac uh, specialist, and it turns out that they have arrhythmia or other heart-related problems because of their cell phone. Because when they remove the source, all of a sudden their problems vanish. 
<laughs> go figure, because the heart contains a very high concentration of these uh, these cells with a lot of VGCCs. So the effect is even is even stronger in certain parts of the body that are high in VGCCs. So this research is not only uh, credible, not only proven, but then Martin Palace looked at, he, he's only gathered research from other researchers, he, he didn't do the, uh, the rat studies themselves, but uh, he found several, several studies on rats that show that when you, you give rats uh, calcium channel blocking drugs, you end up nullifying the effect almost completely. So, um, it, this proves the mechanism. This proves that EMFs, the, one of the main mechanisms that's, that prove that, let's say, just a Wi-Fi in a room or even a cell phone can have a biological effect is through this uh, excess calcium in the cell. Um, and, and now the question is people were like, okay, I'm going to start taking a calcium channel blocker. Well, that's not really a solution because once you block the calcium channels altogether, you have all sorts of other uh, side effects that can occur, right? So uh, it's not necessarily a good idea to do that, but uh, it has a lot of um, uh, a, a disruption, disrupting effect, especially on the uh, NRF2 pathway that is very hot right now in people that are into biohacking because they try to, to uh, optimize this pathway through intermittent fasting and cold thermogenesis and uh, it can increase your, your longevity and to be honest, uh, some, some of the, the, uh, the downstream effects and the pathways are above my head because I'm not a scientific level researcher, but I know that this pathway is disrupted a lot. So it's kind of ironic that a lot of, a lot of people that are looking to optimize their biology so much, they wear a, a Bluetooth tracker all the time. So at one, on one hand, they're optimizing their pathway, the other end, they're disrupting it. So right. it's hard to tell to what extent, but I mean, it just shows you that it's one of the, the, the most important pathway for longevity from what I'm getting, and this is affected. Uh, on 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 a, on a serious level, and if I can add one thing uh, that might be even more concerning, um, actually, and I have I still have a hard time believing it myself. There's uh, there's German research that looked at the difference in DNA uh, single and double strand uh, breaks from X-rays compared to cell phones. So they, what they did is a comet assay. So basically, this is when you take a DNA, a DNA sample, and you have a, um, a golden standard in scientific research where you will apply something, either a, a poison, uh, a toxin, mold toxins, or a signal. In that case, it was X-rays in one, uh, in sample A, and then um, cell phones in sample B. And they applied a signal, 24 hours of cell phones, and then 1,600 chest X-rays, and they look at how much is the DNA uh, destroyed and it turns out that they compared the two and said this is similar damage so if this is true like now I, I always say if this is true because this hasn't been reproduced from what I know by 10 or 15 different other labs but if this is true it means that maybe the the low-level radiation that we're exposing ourselves to to our cell phones might be worse uh, for our DNA and even uh, DNA breaks and, and cellular stress than x-rays. And if this is true, we've made a, a very big mistake here. Yeah. So well, there's, it's, it, like, there is a lot of rabbit holes and sort of the yeah. things that sort of perk up on me is I always say that 
the people that, that we help or the people that are on our page ultimately do have that perfect storm necklace where they have that genetic susceptibility with those, not just the EMFs alone, but with They've been exposed to mercury in their teeth after having, you know, dental amalgams when they were eight. Um, they, you know, had mono when they were 16. Um, they've worked three jobs. They've had post-traumatic. So they just have the craziest things going on. But, you know, sort of where my ears perked up is and which you, you wrote about, too, and you mentioned is not just peroxynitrate, but also those calcium channels constantly being open. Um, ultimately, you have um, upregulation of the mitochondria that further requires energy production to deal with that, the consequence of that. And as a consequence too, you, you, it really depletes our, you know, our balance. And in life, everything's about balance. So if your cells are set up to um, not necessarily repair the DNA as quickly, there's a lot of genetic SNPs and you can kind of see sort of my mad scientist background here um, in the back. Um, I look at particular SNPs that tell us, hey, your body, for every you know dollar you put in the coin machine, only three quarters come out when you're repairing your DNA, when you're making new cells, when you're making new tissues like uh, hair, skin, teeth, nail, bones. So if you put, um, if you're you know at a you know a birthday party and you need to put a lot of dollar bills in the quarters, then you're gonna expose the body for its weakness, and that certainly happens for people that not only can't repair their DNA in terms of their hair, their skin, their teeth, their nails, their bones, but also repairing the cell membrane, which is very, very important. And and, and also um, making that balance like we were talking about where, okay, peroxynitrate or a lot of these free radicals, it's a lot of fires going on and there's not a lot of firemen. And when we deplete our body of glutathione and SOD, then all of a sudden you have this rage against the machine where not only is this free radicals you know, bombarding these toxic things that are going on in our body, but they impact the cell too. And then they impact, you know, in terms of what you've written about, um, you know, blood brain barrier. Um, and so that's, I guess, what I wanted to talk about, especially as it relates to kids, because, um, you know, you know, it, it gets a little overwhelming if I'm listening to this. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned um, mainly three areas um, in your in your last chapter in terms of um, just the, the phone itself, um, you know, the home and for our children. So if we can mention a little bit about that, um, that would be great because, I you know, I, I always like to give my listeners, okay, well, what do I do about it? Like, what do I got to do? So, I mean, obviously, I want them to buy the book, but I also want them to um, get some good, useful things that, you know, what are the small hinges that they can do that will swing the big doors? Oh, sure, Tang. So the first thing is to listen to everything uh, I've just said. No, no, seriously. But is take a big breath because once you hear that, is it, it can sound like, oh, my God, x-rays and what. It, just a few response uh, from learning this information can be huge. So uh, just a year ago or so, I didn't think it was serious. I had my phone in my pocket, So, but I'm still alive today. You are still alive. So don't freak out too, mu too much. Uh, to the extent that it causes insomnia, right? So that's that's my first that's my first uh, advice. And then focus on what you can do. So if it's EMF, let's say from your neighbor on the subway train, well, it's not like we live in a society where where you can say, hey man, don't please don't secondhand Wi-Fi me or <laughs> or cell phone me, right? right it doesn't right. work like that. At least not yet. 
Right. Uh, so, but you can control your own phone. So what I say is, as a general rule, try to keep personal devices at least one foot from your body. So it means same thing with children. Let's say if you have your, your four-year-old or even teenager be on the phone like that, these things were not intended for children. And even for adults, it will increase your risk of brain cancer if you listen to independent research. And that's like for Ipsilateral, so same same side where you speak to uh, brain cancer, so and parotid gland, and anyway, another rabbit hole. But basically, holding it like this at one foot distance, you will reduce the amount of EMFs your body and your face and your brain is exposed to by at least eighty percent. So how do you do this? Well, you can use speakerphone, but if you don't want to be annoying to your your neighbors, you can use these. And I'm showing my Apple earbuds. So these are, it's just a wired headset with an integrated microphone and you can use that and then hold the phone in your hand or have it in front of you on a, on a desk, which is, can help you create even more distance. Just think about distance from your body. So instead of texting right next to your abdomen, well, these signals can actually have been shown and, and there's, they're starting to be emerging science about the effects on gut microbiome. These things are very tiny and we know that this is our second brain and that every bacteria in your body has a role and might be even more critical than some of our own cells, right? So do not text and hold your phone right next to your abdomen, hold it a little bit further away. And just that will make a huge difference on how, what kind of amounts of EMFs you're exposing your body to. And when it comes to the home, and if you have children, this is especially important because uh, I'm, I'm gonna be actually a new dad in, uh, in a couple of months now, and I can only imagine what it's like to be a, a parent having kids that don't sleep, but I, I can imagine it, it might be one of the causes of adrenal fatigue. It's like you can never sleep, right? So uh, kids and, and adults alike will sleep better in a low EMF environment because EMFs, uh, even if it's just Wi-Fi in a room or even in your home, will directly reduce the quality of your sleep and reduce your melatonin production at night. That's one of your most important sleep hormones. So what do you do about it? Well, you can choose to go hardwired and have an Ethernet cable for your computers and uh, have wires all over your house. This is my number one solution, but it's a little bit more expensive and a little bit more serious. But if you're not there yet, you can always at least turn off the Wi-Fi signal at night. So you can either just unplug your Wi-Fi router or an even better or easier solution for people to just set it and forget it is to have uh, these little Christmas light timer that you can grab off of Amazon for around 10 bucks and you plug your Wi-Fi router machine inside this timer, this outlet timer, and then you can set the timer so uh, it will close the outlet and your Wi-Fi at the same time uh, around 11 p.m. when you go to bed, and then it will open itself automatically without you even taking action about it at 6 a.m., for example, when you wake up. So at least you will have like these six to eight hours of a low EMF environment and your sleep quality will go up. And I have a lot of uh, friends and, and researchers and uh, biohackers in my circles that track their sleep with using uh, the Oura Ring, which is a, uh, a cool ring where it can tell you your, qual your sleep quality and then different apps. And they report that every single time that they sleep, that they turn off the Wi-Fi at night, they see a 20% bump at least in their deep sleep or sometimes better than that depending on how 
uh, how sensitive you personally are. And I feel it the second that the Wi-Fi is on in a house, I feel it because I just don't sleep better. I don't feel recovered. And when I turn it off or when I go camping or something where it's a, a, just a little shack in the middle of the woods, I feel amazing. And then I have these dreams and this is a sign of deep sleep. So uh, if you only de uh, do these two things, even for your children, uh, so create distance, make sure that uh, they, they talk on a headset instead of right next to the ear. It's going to make a huge difference in the amount of EMFs that you're exposed to. And, and I think you'll feel the difference, especially when you wake up in the morning and you have slept all night long with a low EMF environment. You're like, oh, wait a minute. This is the way things should be. I don't feel as uh, like... Uh, as much as I need caffeine in the morning or that I, I literally am uh, more fatigued than the evening prior, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are great little tips. And, that you know, I actually I have that aura ring. Um, we, mm. we use it for, um, you know, I, we, I had another interview with another person and we look at more as data tracking versus biohacking and yes. because everyone's going to have different um, bell curves and sweet spots so to speak and you know too much of something for someone else might be just perfect for someone else um, but just to speak about the Wi-Fi we live in in Florida now and so we get you know uh, hurricanes and so a couple years ago was Hurricane William Wilma and we were out of power for probably a week and a half and oh. it was it was actually okay though because there was no Wi-Fi and you could you could almost feel like you were camping. You didn't yeah. feel that that constant permanent hum, you know, that sort of static electricity that's there. Then what we did is when we moved the wireless router, it was in our room. We moved it out of the room. It was so much deeper in terms of the sleep. Oh so yes, definitely that for sure. I definitely don't wear this now most of the day. I like to because of the Bluetooth. But when I'm exercising and I'm sleeping, I want to track my sleep. The other thing I didn't know about, which you you know pointed out with a lot of other good things, is no case, right? Not having the case because the case on the phone can increase the uh, exposures with the EMFs. Did you you put that in there as well, right? Yeah. Well, that that can be a thing. It, it can definitely increase uh, the EMFs because your phone has to work harder to connect to the tower and the way the technology is built is that if you're at five out of five bars of power the the signals are are way lower than at one out of five sometimes they can ramp up a thousand times the EMFs that are emitted if you're in a in a tunnel in a building and in a, a very uh, low connectivity place uh, because your your cell phone kind of has to ramp up the signal in order to connect just as well. So it's it's one thing to maybe remove the case or there's a there's a company that I, that I love called Defender Shield that does special EMF blocking cases that actually have openings on the sides. So it lets the signal come in it in and out, but it does block quite a lot of signal that would go towards your body. So uh, in in my opinion, I I still wouldn't use a cell phone next to the head if you have even if you have this case but at least if you carry it around and some people tell me Nick you know what you, you always tell about uh, hitting airplane mode all day long and I know I'm like people do not reach me on my cell phone because they know the deal like I'm this author about EMS right I'm not gonna gonna have my cell phone around all the time and they ping me on Facebook or something and that's fine but uh, I, I know a lot of parents or people uh, whose job required them to be on a cell phone 
almost 24 seven. So what do I do? Well, in that case, having a special case, if, if it's near your body, and then if you have to keep it in your room at night, because maybe you have your teenager that, uh, that's uh, over at a sleepover with a friend and you want them to call you in case of emergency or something like that, totally understand. Put your phone as far away from your pillow as possible. I see a lot of people put, putting it right next to their head or even worse, below like right under their their pillow so yeah. you're essentially it's 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 a ho most horrible place to have it and it will reduce your sleep so much that a lot of people report feeling anxious even when they have a cell phone next to their head for hours uh, it's not a natural thing and um something that not a lot of people understand or know is that a cell phone if it's not on airplane mode with all the bluetooth and wi-fi removed uh, it's constantly emitting even if you don't do anything with it there's no notification there's nothing happening on the phone or so you think but in reality it's pinging the tower every couple seconds just to make sure that uh, in case of a call it will be able to connect so it is emitting emfs uh, a little bit 24 7 so this is why it can be disruptive so in that case just close my top there uh, put your phone as far away as possible from your pillow it can be in even in, in a room and then you put the ringer on very loud maybe or you can get a landline like these things still exist you know even if people try to get rid of them right. uh, it, it can be a good alternative in the bedroom a landline is just th this phone that's uh, ubiquitous it won't emit any emfs if it's just a a good old uh, old school wired phone that can still work yeah you point out to the kids they have no idea my kids are 15 i have twins they they wonder what that thing is with the wires on it that's plugged into the wall you know <laughs> it's amazing yeah. but yes it's better that it's better so the question i had this is a little bit off topic where sure um you know i get concerned because you know i also studied psychology and you know you look at the old Pavlovian sort of uh, operant conditioning where you know you ring a bell and then you make it you, you know you give a dog a little bit of food on the tongue and they start to salivate and then all of a sudden you've now paired the salivation to the ring and not actually giving them the food and I really feel that that's happening now at the at the level where kids get texts or we get alerts and we almost sense it oh I got something we get before it even comes in and then, you know, when my daughter, I've mentioned this to my, my audience before, if someone gets in trouble in my house, then the penalty is they get their phone taken away. And I want to have restrictions in terms of not just how close it is to their body, but, you know, how absolute amount of time they get to use it, Nicholas. But the thing is, it's almost like she goes through withdrawal. It really is. It's like she feels yeah. like she needs that. I almost joke around like she's like starts scratching, you know, like as if they're going through withdrawal because they don't have their, their little fix. Um, have you looked at all or is that sort of beyond sort of um, what you've looked at? I thought it would be a good corollary between um, the neurotransmitter component of it in terms of um, the dopamine, especially when people are susceptible um, and, and sort of that almost the addiction, um, the withdrawal, um, or even how we relate back to maybe it's a good segue for you to talk about how you have people that actually are a little more EMF sensitive, like you've mentioned, you know, in some of your, um, your, your things that I've read was, um, you know, better call Saul, his brother who is, um, yeah. you know, very EMF sensitive. So I'm sure a lot of, a couple questions in there in terms of number one, have you looked at that in terms of the neurotransmitter and the addictive component, which is beyond sort of the EMF? And then number two, why some people have that electrical sensitivity more than someone else? 
Yeah, well, there's, it's a charged question. Uh, I haven't looked, uh, and this is actually one of my next missions, is uh, I, I've realized throughout my work, maybe it's going to be a book for in, in three, four years, but uh, let's face it, even if we end up uh, having better signals, let's say other kinds of EMFs with a different frequency, and we discover how to make them completely safe, uh, it doesn't mean that the technology will be healthy for us. We're still addicted. I mean, I, I was digging through my book as we were talking. It's 27% of parents report being addicted to their cell phone. Right. And then you have, uh, it's, it's 50% of uh, teenagers age 14 that say I'm addicted too. So when you have parents that are addicted, obviously they preach by the example. Uh, it is a societal problem. I, 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 I read several studies that I can quote because I, I'm not the expert in those, but I've, I've read stuff like children that are taken away from uh, their devices go through some withdrawal. And after two weeks, you see reversal of ADHD anxiety, suicidal thoughts, uh, incredible like clinical results. And in, in, in the, these are made by like psychologists and, and doctors and uh, functional medicine oriented practitioners. And these things, if it were a pill, it would sell for millions <laughs> like right, right. It, or, or trillions. I mean, so it, just removing technology, it seems that there's a perfect storm of a lot of things the way I see it. Uh, the technology was conceived in the perfect way to make us addicted to the devices. And it's not like this is some evil plan, it's just that the engineers that did it uh, are great. They are great minds and they develop something that is fun to look at, that is uh, intuitive, you wanna connect with it, you have sounds, you have beeps, you have a vibration, everything about it is, is awesome. And you can connect with people and even social media, the way it's built is there's always something, there's always something. I have a really hard time getting getting out of it myself. I'm in front of my computer and maybe uh, we, we just started selling uh, my book a couple of weeks ago and then it's like, bing, oh, we made a sale, I'm so happy. I'm. It, there's a reward when you look, you refresh pages, you go through social media. So the way everything has been built, even the engineers now that have built the, the iPhone and the uh, the first apps and the inventors that are now billionaires, they say a lot of them show regrets because they say that I didn't think people would be so addicted to their phones and I, I wish people were, were a bit more moderate with the technology that we built. So even people from the Silicon Valley uh, side of things are kind of regretting what they did to some extent. At the same time, they, did, they had no intention to make people this addicted, but it's a good business model, that being said. Of course, uh, then you have the blue light, right? So a device that emits a lot of light like that is super bright and I, I put something uh, a software program called iris uh, i r i s that is a software to make my my screen look a little bit more orange another one is called uh flux and these software can make your the eye strain a little bit less but even it's not just a question of eye strain it's a question of like blue light is so stimulating and it will reduce your melatonin at night and it will 
I, I think it will also kind of screw up your 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 dopamine because it's um, it, it tricks your body into thinking it's bright day. So it, it plays a lot with your neurotransmitter. I'm, I uh, I know that for a fact. And there's there's so many studies about the effects of blue light, even on macular degeneration. So that's some, it screw up screws up your eyes, and that screw, plays with your mind a little bit. So everything combined makes it so that um, you, we're addicted. We're addicted. It's been, it, it's something new and you just have to look around. People are, uh, I'm waiting at the subway train and I'm listening to a podcast, but I'm not down on my phone. I see everyone is down on their phone because we, we, we cannot literally spend a minute just waiting now. We're like, I mean, goldfish, and I include myself in that. I have a very hard time staying out of it as an entrepreneur, as an author, doing podcasts. I mean, I'll be on my computer and I'll be tempted to look at email several times a day, even if that's not a good habit. And I think there's a dopamine hit every time a new new thing comes into the mailbox because, oh, what if it's a new opportunity? What if it's uh, cool news? What if it's something interesting? And it turns out it's an ad and you're like, oh, okay, you just delete it. And, you, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, what, what was I working on? Oh, sorry, Joel. I just let my I I I lost my thought because someone is pinging me about something completely useless. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what's happening in our lives. So I think I think everything is contributing to um, um, I don't know remove remove part of our humanity and and I think that that children are a little bit more at risk and. Uh, I, I'm trying to find the name of the researcher who has published an incredible, uh, I think it's called Reset Reset Your Children's, Reset Your Children's Brain, I would think so. Uh, hold on. Uh, Victoria Dunkley. Uh, she's a researcher, uh, an MD. Uh, she, this, this book I haven't read yet, but I heard her on several interviews and podcasts, and she goes into why are children kind of so anxious in a society so adhd there's also autism so it, it gets very controversial very fast because everyone's looking for a culprit i think it's probably a perfect storm just like when it comes to adrenal fatigue but she did a, a great book about that and she has a, a four-week plan to 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 re to kind of get your your child back on a, a normal behavior and part of it she talks about EMS quite a lot I think it's that plus other things plus diet uh, but I think it plays with our minds a lot and uh, if you if you want to know about the mechanism well one of them is uh, the opening of the blood brain barrier so around your brain you have this barrier called the blood brain barrier that uh, is just perme permeable enough to let nutrients in but to try to block toxins or viruses or invaders and um, Alan Frey uh, he's a, he, he was a researcher back in the 70s he showed that um, just a couple minutes of uh, cell phone exposure actually made uh, made this barrier more leaky more susceptible to having bad stuff come in and more susceptible to having these neurotransmitters leak out of your brain where they should be. So I think that the more time you spend on a cell phone, you probably have some leakage where you lose these neurotransmitters or there's there's just havoc and confusion in there. So it doesn't compute as well and you lose, like you're more prone to anxiety. And this totally correlates with what is shown when people use their cell phone more and they're more at risk for anxiety and depression and other um, neurological symptoms. So I think it all makes sense. And <laughs> if people still argue that 
that a cell phone cannot open up uh, or EMFs cannot open up the blood-brain barrier, well, consider that there's an entire uh, entire new science that is called or, or technique called electrochemotherapy, where uh, they will use EMFs that are similar to a cell phone, only stronger to open up the blood-brain barrier to make chemotherapy go into the brain because normally chemotherapy is very ineffective when it comes to treating brain cancer and brain tumors. So it exists, it's used, and it's known. It's just that a cell phone is is uh, way lower in power density, but we can argue that it's it probably uses the same mechanism. And if you talk about, you talk on your cell phone all day, every day, you're not having this this couple minutes treatment in electrochemotherapy, but you're essentially maybe doing the same. Who knows? Like no one has studied that, but it's kind of putting two and two together yeah, here. Yeah, it's like it, having your cake and eating it too. On the one hand, you're saying, no, it's not impacting exactly. you. On the other hand, and you know, it's same thing with a lot of things like mercury, you know, uh, mercury in the teeth is okay, but mercury, you know, if you transport it, you have to have like basically, you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> so, um, so it is crazy. Exactly. And it is the perfect storm. And, you know, as far as I don't want to get too much in the mechanics, but that sure. um, the way it hits the light, the blue light impacts hippocampus hippocampus regulates you know with the amygdala um, there's a good book by um, it's I'm listening to it now actually and uh, let me just see what the name of that book is actually I, I'm not gonna be able to find it because I have this iPhone 10 now and I actually don't know how to how to swipe everything yet so uh, <laughs> but uh, it's a book about um, just the the way that um, we overwhelm our dopamine and our serotonin and with you know exposures to you know blue light and the hippocampus and the HPA axis and that's really getting into what I do but anyways Nicholas I want to thank you so much for being here today I, I you know really great um, you know uh, um, tips um, I'm, I, I think it's a really commendable thing that you're using this as a mission to um, you know shout from the rooftops hey we need to be aware of this because ultimately um, you know, this is impacting us and to what extent we're not sure, but to put our head in the sand and, and not think it is, um, that is, is really naive. Um, and why, you know, when just even when I get down to helping people from the adrenal or the mitochondrial level, it comes down to basics. What can we remove first? What can we do in terms of removing our exposure? I actually patented a term. It's called um, reducing your stress footprint. And it's kind of like the same thing as reducing your ecological footprint. Reduce the amount of information that's coming into you so your body doesn't have to process it. And, you know, go figure, you know, going out and walking on the grass and going in, you know, the sun and going and being one with nature is something that's uh, is, is sort of a, you know, few and far between now. And, you know, research with polyphenols and research with oxygen and research with earthing and all the things that you get back to nature is really what it's all about. Um, the book is called, um, I love the name of the book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs, How to Fix Our Stupid Use of Technology. <laughs> I think it's, a, you know, it's really playful, but yet you had to take that approach with such a controversial subject, especially when there are politics involved and there are, um, you know, uh, lobbyists, as you've mentioned, where, you know, they basically get to do whatever they want. There's no 
penalties or repercussions against them and you make light of it but at the same time you expose it and you put the mirror up in front of not just our face but their face too so I wanted to thank you for that um, you know you've allowed me to try to have people get uh, in touch with your book because it's just at the very beginning of getting released uh, I do have my um, adrenal fatigue society page and we're going to create um, forward slash EMF and that's where they can get contact with the book um, uh, I'm really grateful that we're doing this I'd love to get back with you and talk to you about some of the stuff we do and you know talk about the neurotransmitters and maybe you know collaborate if you go down that other rabbit hole on how else it impacts the EMFs impact the mitochondria um, do you have any other last things you'd like to say or you know also how people can get in contact with you or just any other sort of parting um, pieces of advice or good information you may want to say as sort of your last little parting thing sure well my, my number one thing as a supporting thought is to just try try to do one thing you 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 heard about in the interview if it's uh, turning off the Wi-Fi at night do it for a couple of nights and see how you feel and if you have a tracking device even better because that way you know it's not just your mind playing tricks with you uh, it's important because you have to know and to feel that it's true uh, don't take my word for it. Look at everything we talked about. Everything is verifiable. Uh, really think by yourself because uh, in other parts of the world right now, what I'm saying is common sense. Uh, for example, I've got one example that may, makes people ra uh, raise their, their eyebrows is uh, the mayor of Krakow, that's uh, one of the major cities in Poland, was elected because he swore to defend the population against EMF pollution in the city. And he was elected over that. That was one of his promise, and then he's doing something about it. They're removing Wi-Fi hotspots or moving the cell phone towers uh, outside in the countryside inside of freaking downtown on, on some rooftop. So it's happening right now, whether you like it or not. The island of Cyprus, they're banned, they've banned Wi-Fi in school. Uh, in France, they've banned Wi-Fi in nurseries. They're moving towards other bans. So it's happening uh, in, in multiple other countries. Even India and China and Russia are more aware of the problem than we are uh, in Canada and in, in the US. So it's coming and, and I suggest that you take action now uh, as a preventative measure to feel better. And if you do this, this test for a couple of nights and feel better, well, imagine what uh, compounding effect can happen if you sleep better, 10% uh, better for a, a whole year. It, it, your health will be better. It's just removing another factor. It's not the sole cause of all diseases, but it is an important one to consider and it will increase except if you choose to say no to uh, your your Bluetooth, <laughs> I don't know, you're, you're like your, your Bluetooth watering plant now that you can have where your plant will send you a text if uh, the plant needs to be watered to a special sensor. Like, do you really need that? Ask yourself that before making new purchases and going the smart route and the internet of things, everything will be wireless. So before hopping uh, on the hype and the technology, I know these things are convenient. I know they're exciting, but do you really need your toaster to text you in the morning to say, hi, sweetie, or <laughs> I don't know what, right. like there's, there are crazy things happening everywhere. And this is just blanketing your own home where you have control over. If you're in the city walking around, you have little control over your exposures level. So you might as well make your home as clean as possible. And yes, 
it will not be smart, it will not be that cool or technological, but at least you'll feel good. So prioritize your health at first at home and remove those sources and you will feel better. Yeah, it's an awesome distinction. You know, I always, my, my adage is, is that, you know, um, a lot of people are doing a lot of things right. Um, but if they're doing the one or two or three percent difference that they're not doing properly, water is still not going to boil at 98 or 97 or 98. Yeah. It needs to boil at. So all those things need to be put in place, especially for the population that watches this, that is overwhelmed, that has so much information coming in at one time, and then they don't even know about the invisible stuff and don't assume that it's there. So I really, again, want to thank you so much for giving me your time today, Nicholas. It's a privilege for me to interview you. I think it's going to be an awesome book. Um, it's something that, like you've mentioned, it's very, very necessary. You have in the book also these countries that are um, that are on board. You sort of the saving grace for humanity, as you've mentioned. Yeah. And also, you know, what I think always is there's awesome opportunity too, where just this thing is so bad in 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 it just so obnoxiously beyond our you know utility, and it's just too you know overwhelmingly to our health. But there's all this other opportunity, too, where you can get a lot of great things out of it. The last thing I was going to say is I can't remember with the Altiger report. I remember he recommended a, um, a comedian. And it made me laugh because he talked about Gary something or other was the comedian. And he talked about it's a good thing now that the phone component of our phone is actually like an app. It's like, how dare someone actually calls me on my phone? You know, like I use it as like, you know, as texting, as apps, yeah. as whatever. But it's kind of a good thing now. Like he joked around where it's like someone's calling me like at 930 at night. Like, how dare they call me on my phone? Like, it's you know, it's just like, what the heck? It's like it's almost the phone component itself is almost like an app in, in a lot of ways, which is kind of good because of all the things that you've mentioned. But I just kind of laughed at that comment and that joke but anyways I wanted to thank you so much for being here and I look forward to maybe interviewing you again somewhere down the road and I wish you future success in all your endeavors and 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 with the new book and everything else that you do and thank you so much for being here today thanks very much Joel I, I really enjoyed it thank you thanks for tuning into today's show if you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to AdrenalFatigueSociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.